The Hammer, Chapter 29 Fear and worry tangled together in Corvin's mind. Kate was going to die if he didn't find a way to get her home soon. But how could she ask him to rescue Jockton? Surely someone else must know where the secret passage was. The selfishness of his thoughts stung him. Jorid had helped him bring Kate to the healer even though doing so risked Tyrus' life. The old woman had risked arrest or even death to keep the soldier from discovering him. As if reading his mind, Jorid spoke. You must save Jockton from the karst, and I will help you. Corvid clenched his jaw and blinked back tears. He wanted to do what was right, but what if he failed? In all his nightmares, he had never escaped from the beast. What good would it do if he died in the pit? The image of the monster bearing down on him crowded his mind. He clenched his eyes tightly and forced it away. Someone touched his hands, and a sense of peace flowed through his body. The red eyes faded into white stars that multiplied into a night sky. Calmness came over him with a new realization. Death was not the worst thing that could happen. Far worse would be letting others suffer while he ran away. He opened his eyes. The hammer was in his hands, which were cradled in the hands of the old woman. She studied his face. Death comes to all. But before it does, we have many chances to choose life. Corvin nodded. I will try. He gripped a hammer, and its blue glow filled the cave. She smiled. Outside the entry, a drum pounded out a deep, thundering beat. Jord glanced out the entrance. They are calling the workers in to witness the execution. Corvin frowned. They will come just to watch. I thought those oppressed by the palace would care for each other. The old woman patted his hands. Evil runs through all levels of mankind. Rich or poor, slaves are free. You will always find those who take pleasure in the misfortunes of others. Corvin clenched the hammer tighter and looked to Jorid. What will they do to him? They will lower the prisoners into the pit one at a time to fight the beast. None will win, for its hide cannot be pierced by the crude weapons they are given. Most will not even try. The beast will immobilize them with its gaze and crush them. Can they escape into the water? The beast cannot go in the water. That's how they keep it confined to the pit. But none of the prisoners have sought to drown. That form of death is unacceptable. Could the hammer be used against it? No, the old woman said. The hammer judges a soul. This is but a brute beast. It will not have any effect on it. Corvin fought back the rising fear. Then what am I to do? Jord took him by the shoulders. The only thing we can do. Step out this door and try our best. He pulled off Morgan's black scabbard. Here, take this. I have my own. Corvin reluctantly extended his arm and Jorid lashed the knife into position. As he turned to follow Jorid out the door, the old woman tugged on his sleeve. Jockton says he is an old man and he is ready to die, but I love him dearly and want him to live. Thank you for helping us. She turned and shuffled back into her dwelling. A ring of fire sticks blazed ahead. The pounding of the massive drum shook the ground with each beat. Above the crowd, the crane clattered into position over the center of the pit. In the cage below, a man stood in readiness, a sharpened wooden spear in his hand. The pulley groaned, and the cage dropped a foot, then stopped with a jerk. The crowd roared its approval as the man in the cage staggered and fell against the steel slats. "'It's Jockton!' Jord hollered over his shoulder. "'They are putting him in first. He elbowed his way through the crowd. Corvin pulled in tight behind him, but in the madness he quickly lost sight of the green cloak. 
Crouching low, he forced himself through the tangle of bodies, emerging on the very edge of the pit. Across the chasm, a row of shackled men stood on the crane platform, eyes downcast. In the midst of them, a young boy, his hair closely cropped, sat tugging at his leg irons, his bony shoulders shuddering with terrified sobs. He looked up through his tears at the ring of spectators, and his eyes met Corvin's. He stared at Corvin a long moment, then mouthed two words, Help me. The cage dropped another foot, and the crowd cheered, their faces eager with the anticipation of suffering and death. Corvin stared into the young boy's eyes, everything inside of him pounding with anger. If he ruled the core, a guttural roar from the confines of the karst silenced the crowd. The immense black beast paced back and forth below the swaying cage, its clawed feet crunching through the bones and broken spears. Up on the platform, the sergeant strode into position next to the prisoners. You are all here today to witness the testing of these workers, men who took food that belonged to the settlement. Mutters of anger rippled through the crowd. They have eaten what was to be shared by all. That's not true, one of the shackled men cried out. We were working and we found... A blow from the sergeant caught the side of his head and he crumbled to the ground. For speaking against the rulers, the sergeant announced, this man shall go next. The crowd roared their approval as the guards unlocked the chains and pulled the dazed man to the front of the platform. The beast roared up at them. Startled, the guards dropped the groaning victim and retreated. The dazed man tried to sit up but caught the edge and dropped with a splash into the water. The crowd fell silent as the body bobbed to the surface and slowly slid around the island and out of view. In the name of the high priest, I ask you to stop, a familiar voice called out. Everyone turned to find George standing at the far end of the platform, his hand pointing into the pit. The gods are not pleased with this testing. The audience shrank back from the edge of the pit. Since when does the priesthood have jurisdiction in matters of treason? The sergeant strutted to the front of the stage. And why should I obey a priest who enjoys the comforts of the priest's quarters and all the food he desires? An angry murmur ran through the crowd. The sergeant grabbed the underside of the crane with one hand and leaned out over the pit. The audience gasped. And why should you listen to a priest? When was the last time you saw a green cloak out working in the fields? Shouts rang out. The sergeant pushed himself back from the crane and pointed at Jord. Why are you even still here? Did you not hear that all the priests have been commanded to attend the trial of the high priest and his daughter? He spread his arms wide to the audience. Why should these people, who work all segments in the fields, listen to a priest who refuses to follow the orders of the palace? Jorid stepped forward to respond, but the shouts of the crowd drowned him out. The sergeant grabbed the crane again. As the crowd hushed, he called out, Since this renegade priest speaks on behalf of the gods, perhaps we should see if his god will proclaim him innocent in the pit. The crowd loudly agreed, and the sergeant nodded to his men. Before Jord could pull out his knife, the guard shackled him into the place formerly held by the drowned man and tied a gag over his mouth. Corvin looked down the row of men. The young boy was on his feet, still staring across at him with desperation in his eyes. Corvin glanced into the pit. The black creature was hunched down at the bottom of the island, staring out over the water where the drowned man's body had disappeared. The pulley creaked and the cage descended. Jockton braced himself against the iron slats. The beast lazily turned its head. An archer guarding the crane loosed an arrow and the point stuck in the monster's scaly hide. It leapt up, bellowing at the archers. Pulling the arrow out with its teeth, 
It stalked back toward the cage. Fresh cheers from the crowd drowned out the bellows of the furious beast as it arrived below the swaying cage. To help Jockton fight the creature, he had to get down there, and fast. He leaned over the edge. Could he dive into the water? No, at this place the rocky island was directly below the lip of the karst. Corvin lost his footing and almost tumbled in. Someone pulled him back and hollered in his ear. It will get enough to eat today without you climbing in. That was the answer. Corvin released the crippen rope from his belt loop and sent the disc over the side. Taking a deep breath, he stepped off the edge. The rope tightened, slowing his descent. He let go as he neared the bottom, tumbling up behind the high rocks that surrounded the killing circle. The screech of metal was followed by the animal's howl of frustration. Corvin peered over the top of the rocks. The beast's back was toward him. It had hooked one claw into the cage and was yanking with all its might. The platform buckled and twisted. The archer fell screaming into the water. The beast pulled again and the sergeant lost his balance, leaping out to grab the rope attached to the cage. He tried desperately to climb back up to the tip of the crane, but slowly slipped down further until he was standing on top of the cage. Corvin crept between the rocks and drew the black blade from its sheath. As he neared the creature, the sheer size of it filled his stomach with cold dread. Stretched up on its hind feet and yanking on the cage, it towered over him, easily twice his height. The screech of tearing metal filled the air, and the cage crashed to the ground, spilling Jockton out its broken door. The sergeant shouted and pulled his feet onto the large metal hook that still dangled from the rope. In the dead silence that followed, the monster sat on its haunches and watched the pendulum swings of the sergeant. Jockton struggled to his feet, the spear hanging limp at his side. The beast turned toward him and crouched low, the muscles in the creature's shoulders tensing for the kill. Raising the knife high, Corvin leapt forward onto the animal's back and plunged it with all his strength into the creature's thick neck. With a deafening roar, it rose up on its hind feet, carrying Corvin astride its back, his hands firmly clutched around the knife handle. The animal twisted and bucked, its body like writhing bands of steel beneath him. Corvin was thrown through the air. He slammed into a boulder with a bone-jarring thud and tumbled to the ground behind two large rocks. Dazed, he lay for a second, listening to the furious bellowing. Forcing his limbs into motion, he pulled himself up to peer out between the rocks. Jockton was nowhere to be seen. The creature leaned on the empty cage, blood pouring from its wound as it roared up at the sergeant swinging above him on the hook. The sergeant was hollering for his men on the platform to throw down their fire sticks. His garbled cries were finally understood, and sticks of all sizes fell around the broken cage and into the water. A small one landed by Corvin's knee. He brushed it aside and discovered his numb hand still clutched the black knife. The beast stepped on a fire stick and howled in pain. It shook the cage and then limped away from the ring of fire sticks burning below the sergeant. The scent of seared flesh stung Corvin's nose. As it sat down to lick its burnt paw, an eerie silence settled into the arena. Nothing moved except for the sergeant struggling to stay balanced on the hook. He attempted to climb the rope but slipped back. He tried again and his body swung wildly across the circle of fire sticks that hissed like petrified snakes on the rocky floor. His hand slipped, and he caught his legs in the hook like an upside-down trapeze artist and arced even wider. The beast grunted and stood. It watched him swing out and back, waited, then batted him off the hook. The sergeant rolled to his feet, scrambling to grab a fire stick. As he turned, the massive animal pounced, crushing him onto the rocks. 
Corvin shrank back as the black form rose from the ground and stood over the broken body, shattering the air with a victorious roar that reverberated off the walls of the karst. As the echoes faded, the beast stared past the broken cage. Corvin followed its gaze over the smoking fire sticks to where the point of a spear moved in slow circles behind a pile of rocks. The huge creature crept around the scattered fire sticks, all the while keeping its eyes on the jerky movements of the spear tip. Corvin could see the fierce hatred burning in its eyes. It passed by Corvin's hiding place, its muscles rippling beneath its dark hide. How could he fight something so strong? He couldn't do this by himself. The old woman said the hammer didn't work on animals, but it could help fight injustice. He drew it out and looked at the blue words. The hammer seemed small and useless, but as he raised his eyes, he found that the monster looked less frightening. He slipped out behind it, hammer in one hand, knife in the other, and tensed for another charge. An arrow flew past his shoulder and dug into the calf of the beast. It bellowed and spun to face him. The angry red eyes locked on his. Dark fear devoured his will to move. The hammer slipped from his grasp, and the black knife hung limply at his side. The creature crouched low, ready to spring, but Corwin could not make his body get out of the way. A fire stick splashed out of the water and slapped Corvin's shin. The sharp jab of pain pulled his eyes away from the creature's gaze. Pointed at the beast, someone shouted. Corvin swept up the fire stick, pointing its flaming end at the broad chest as the huge animal circled him. Don't look at its eyes, the voice commanded. The crowd cheered as Corvin backed away. Over the beast's shoulder, Corvin caught sight of Jockton shouting and waving his spear. Corvin didn't understand what he was saying until the butt end of the fire stick bit into the rocks behind him. The monster had cornered him against the high rocks. With a blast of its rancid breath, it sprang. Darkness descended as the fire stick was ripped from Corvin's hand. The creature's roar engulfed him in darkness, and it seemed his head would burst. The weight of the massive beast was squeezing the life from his body. Suddenly, the creature pulled away. Corvin blinked past the pain, expecting to see sharp teeth ready to devour him. Instead, he saw the animal clutching madly at a fire stick protruding from its chest. Roaring in agony, it swiveled around. The fire stick had gone clear through its body and was still burning out its back. Corvin pushed himself up on the rocks and stumbled off to the side. The beast stopped twisting and faced him, its lips pulled back in a snarl. Corvin stepped back. His feet splashed in the water as the cheers of the spectators above finally penetrated his deafening ears. Another arrow rattled off the stones at his feet, and finally he understood. The arrows were meant for him. The crowd was cheering for their monster. The beast tipped its head back and roared up at the ring of eager faces, its energy renewed. Corvin turned to escape in the water. He slid the knife into its sheath to free his hand, and the hammer, he had dropped it up by the rocks. He twisted around. Two more arrows whipped past him. The wounded creature was moving toward him. Behind its back, an old man rose from the rocks, a spear in his hand and a triumphant smile on his face. Jockton raised the spear's haft high over his head and brought it swiftly down on the fire stick protruding from the creature's back. A blast of air and chunks of burning flesh pounded Corvin backward. Cold water cut into him, clearing his head. Arrows fell around him as he dived down and swam toward the edge of the karst where the archers could not reach him. More fire sticks fell into the water above him. His fingers scraped at the far wall, but the current grabbed him and dragged him away. Breaking the surface, he swam desperately to beat the current, but it was too strong, and he was pushed past the lower tip of the island. The roof swept down to meet the river, and he was forced beneath the water. Turning around, he swam with the current as fast as he could. 
Somewhere this underground river must emerge out into the air again, but could he hold his breath that long? Panic gripped his heart and he swam faster. By the light of the fire sticks bubbling in the water, Corvin saw the tunnel widen. The roof pulled away and he followed it upward, his lungs crying out for air. He tried to pull himself along the roof, gouging his hands on the rough surface. Panic gave way to despair, and his breath escaped from his lips. A fire stick shot toward him in a cloud of bubbles that pulled him up to a silver pocket of air. Just when he was about to give in and let the water fill his lungs, Corvin's face broke through the silver circle. He took a deep breath and gagged. The air was stale and putrid. He fought to breathe, but the trapped air gave little satisfaction to his lungs. He was still drowning even as he tried to breathe in fractured gasps. You have to go on, said a faint voice. There's not enough good air here. The current pulled him back under the water, his body twisting in the bubbling froth. The dark shadow of a rocky outcrop loomed ahead. He turned to avoid it. A flash of light filled his head, and then darkness closed in around him. 